family, you're finding the book of 1 John chapter 3. We'll begin reading verse 4 as we continue our study of the book of 1 John on Sunday mornings. This morning I'll speak to you on this subject, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. 1 John chapter 3, we'll begin to read in verse number 4. I invite you to stand this morning, all those that can and are able, in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. When 1 John 3 began to read in verse 4, the Bible says these words, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God let's pray together father we ask your spirit would speak to us challenge us today pray for the one that's never turned and been delivered from sin's penalty and its possession over their lives pray they'll turn and surrender their life to the lordship of Christ today father I pray you'll speak to our church concerning these truths one that affects so many people and so many churches so many families uh, who've been deceived about really what salvation is all about and what someone who's really been born again, what their life is going to look like. God, I pray that you'll teach us today from your word and we will bring our lives and our understanding of salvation under the authority of Scripture today. Bless this time. Be honored and glorified through everything that's said and done in this place. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said, speaking of Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan is a master at deception. Uh, I've always been amazed by illusionists and their, their slide of hand and how they're able to do things which kind of deceive our eyes for, for, just, for just a moment. But make no mistake, friend, there is someone who is far greater at deception than any illusionist can ever be, and that's the devil. Genesis chapter 3, uh, the Bible says he does so subtly, um, so subtly that sometimes we don't even know really what's happening or what has happened until it's, it's too late. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are into deception today. Uh, I was talking to a, a sister just a few weeks ago, and it was in a, at a hard point in her life. Someone called pretending to be someone who's going to deliver something to their house and said, uh, well, you know, there's not enough postage to deliver. It needs to be delivered, but we need your, we're going to need your debit card number. And the sister was so overwhelmed, she didn't, she didn't understand what was, what was happening. And so she gave in to this, what we call a phishing scam. And one of her loved ones helped her very quickly, and she was able to stop payment and to get all of that stopped. But deception happens every day. And some deceptions, you can survive. I mean, she's still alive, and she's still functioning. 
Um, and so there's some deceptions that you can survive, but there's some that you can't. Uh, on May 26, 2002, a tugboat was heading up the Arkansas River, and the captain of the boat had a health emergency. And as he had that emergency, he wasn't able to pilot the tugboat anymore. And those barges, which we're all familiar with living here in this area, if you've been around the Tennessee River, those barges drove into the supports of the bridge that was connected I-40 from one side of the Arkansas River to the other. And the bridge imploded. And at that moment, there were cars who were heading that they didn't see because of the lay of the land that the bridge was out in front of them. They were deceived into thinking that the bridge was still there. And by the time everyone could get traffic stopped, eight vehicles and three tractor trailers had plunged over the end. Fourteen people died because they were deceived into thinking the road was connected when it, when it wasn't. They had no idea the bridge was out. And spiritually, there are billions of people just like those drivers. They've been deceived There's, by Satan uh, into some spiritual deceptions that are going to have eternal consequences in their lives. First off, a lot of people are deceived about the definition of sin. The definition of sin. Romans chapter 14 verse 23 says this, Whatever is not of faith is sin. James chapter 4 and verse 17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And 1 John chapter 5 and verse 17, John says that all unrighteousness is sin. Well, look at our text in 1 John chapter 3. This is the, the, probably the most simple definition of sin that you will ever find. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Sin is simply breaking God's law. Defiance and rebellion against God's settled decision of what is right and what is wrong. The Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. There's, there's no debate about that. We're living in a day where there's so, so much debate about so many different uh, facets of our lives. But friend, I want to remind you, one of the truths of Scripture is this. Sin is not debatable. What God says is right, it'll forever be right. And what God says is wrong, it'll forever be wrong. And it doesn't matter what Congress or a judge or what the majority of people have to say about that. The majority has already spoken, and that's Almighty God. And if it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. You see, sin is not progressively shapeable. We're, we're living in a world where we hear that word progressive now. Everything's it's fluid. We're constantly progressively shaping things but you can't progressively shape the word of God friend because God said it and God didn't ask man it wasn't up for a vote he said it and that settles it there used to be a statement years ago people would say well God said it I believe it and that settles it well, friend I want to remind you it really doesn't matter whether you believe it or not God said it and that settles it doesn't matter what man has to say about it God has forever settled in his word what is right and what is wrong, and there's no debate about that. Well, we've been deceived also about what the penalty of sin is. Sin has a penalty. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says that the wages of sin is death. It's an eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Ezekiel 18, verse 20 says, the soul that sins shall surely die. God told our 
great-great-great-great-grandfather and grandmother, Adam and Eve, as for the tree of knowledge in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat of it, for the day thou eatest thou of, you will surely die. The penalty for sin is death. And that is forever settled. You can't be deceived by those things. Sin disconnects us from God. Isaiah 59 and verse number 2 says, Your sin has separated you from God. We're going to hear the closer we get to next November of all the things that people need and the reason there's problems in the world and whose fault it really is and what the problems are. Friend, I want to tell you, the source of all problems in our world at the root, when you get down to the root of it all, it's sin. Sin's it, and, and the only person that can help us with sin is Jesus Christ. And so that's, that is sin disconnects us from God. It's the greatest problem that mankind faces is that they don't have a relationship with God because sin separates us. And it's because sin defiles. Ezekiel 14 and verse number 11, God says that sin profanes us. When God looks at us, it, he sees uh, defilement because he's a holy God. And because of that and because of his holiness, he can't fellowship with sin. And so sin not only separates us, but it also defiles us. And also, friends, sin dooms us. Uh, we shared at our fall festival that the scariest verse in all of Scripture is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, and in verse number 15, where the Bible says that all those names who were not found written in the Lamb's book of life were forever cast into a place called the lake of fire. The Bible says one day in eternity to come, friend, every person who's ever been born and will be born who leaves this earth without a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, they will stand and give an account for the sin that's in their life. But most of all, for the love that they rejected, the light they rejected. And it doesn't matter how much good they've done, how many churches they were a membership of, how much water they were baptized in, whether it was running, still, or where it took place. Solely what separates, friend, lost and saved is what people do with Jesus Christ. And all those people who refuse to trust Christ as Savior and Lord, the Bible says they'll forever be doomed in a place called hell. And so don't be deceived into thinking that people just evaporate and people just cease to exist. The Bible says, friend, when you die, you'll be more alive than you've ever been. The question is where it is that you'll be spending eternity for the rest of your life. So we need to understand, friend, that Satan seeks to deceive us about the definition of sin. But not only that, friend, he seeks to deceive about the deliverance that Jesus alone provides. Only Jesus Christ, friend, can free you from sin's penalty, from sin's possession, and one day from sin's presence. Look what the Bible says in verse number 4 of our text in 1 John 3. The Bible says, And you know that he, that's Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Uh, manifested. Uh, you saw on the screen if you were watching uh, the choir has practiced today and I can only assume from the slide that it's on it's to begin to practice for uh, Christmas music and I was it, it was at the end, it might have been Labor Day I saw they were already putting out Christmas decorations at Walmart uh, just trying to let you know it was it was just around the corner and so when we read these verses it should make us think 
about Christmas because that's what Christmas is all about, that God manifested himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ here upon this earth. John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word God became flesh and dwelt among us. And you know that he was manifested. Why? Verse 5 continues, To take away sin. That's why Jesus came. That's the whole purpose of why he was born, so that he could lead a sinless life and one day give his life a ransom at a place called Calvary for us to take away our sins. Uh, it, it reminds us of something that took place in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, where once a year, two goats were brought before the high priest, and one goat gave its life. They would place a laver under its throat and would slit its throat. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And its blood was placed upon the altar. But the second goat, it was what was known as a scapegoat. And the high priest would lay his hands upon the, the head of the goat. And he would begin to confess all the sins of the people. And then someone would take the goat and lead him out into the desert. And he would wander away. And symbolically, he would carry away all of the sins of the people away. And that's what Jesus Christ made available for us. You know that he was manifested to take away our sins. That's why Jesus came. And he was able to do that because he was our sinless sacrifice. Verse 5 says, and in him there is no sin. But he took our sin upon him. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 says, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And friend, I almost shared just in a, in a side word about deception, the, 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 the greatest false doctrine, one of that's being shared in churches today, is the doctrine of Calvinism. And the doctrine of Calvinism teaches this at its core, that Christ died for some people and some people he didn't because he chose some to be saved and some that he didn't. Friend, I'm telling you, don't be deceived. The Bible teaches that God so loved the world. It's God's desire that all people be saved. Why? Because all have sinned and all have a need. And the gospel means good news. And friend, can I just say, it's not good news that only a few people get to be saved and some people don't. But thanks be to God, friend, the, the word of God teaches that Christ died that we all can be saved. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what man's greatest need is, righteousness. Because we're separated from God because of sin, we're stained by sin, and we're going to be doomed in hell, separated from God in a place called hell for all eternity, unless we have the righteousness of God applied to our lives. And that Bible says in verse number 8, for this purpose, look at your Bibles, at the latter part of verse number 8, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. It was the message that an angel gave to a struggling, espoused husband. His name was Joseph. Now, Joseph and Mary were espoused. That means that they were engaged. In Jewish culture, they had a long engagement. And they were considered, uh, by law, married. Except something hadn't happened yet. They hadn't comp uh, had not 
uh, 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 gone forward in the normal process of what husband and wives are given a gift from God to be able to do. And so they hadn't had a, a marriage ceremony yet. And so Joseph, when the Bible says he didn't know his wife, he didn't know her. And when Mary says, how shall this be, for I haven't known the man, she hadn't known Joseph intimately that way yet. And so Joseph was very confused because his wife was pregnant. There was no doubting that. And the Holy Spirit sent an angel to give a word to Joseph to say, he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 21. And so Joseph knew from the very beginning that that was why Christ came, to destroy sin's effect on people's lives. And on the cross, that's what Jesus did. When he died on the cross, friend, he died the death that each of us should die. Why did he die? Because of the wages of sin is death. But God won't accept, friend, a stained sacrifice. And we're all stained. I could never die for my sin. You could never die for your sin. We need a sinless sacrifice. And as the choir sang this morning, friend, only one. Only one was ever found to be that way. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's for this purpose the Son of God was, was manifested to destroy sin's effect. On the cross, he, he gave us victory over sin's penalty. Out of the grave, He gave us victory over sin's possession of our lives. So many people, friend, are drifting in and out of all these different addiction clinics and trying to find help with this and help with that. And friend, I want to tell you, you may be able to find the help over some kind of addiction of sin. But I promise you, the devil's just going to lead you to be addicted to something else. The only way you can have victory over sin in your life is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through the presence of the Holy Spirit, His work in our lives. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then the reverse truth Christ gave us in John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And so what the Apostle Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, is this. The Holy Spirit of God gives us opportunity, friend, to have victory over sin's temptation because he always opens a door and makes a way of escape. And so only Jesus, friend, could provide for us victory over sin's penalty, victory over sin's power. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. And we're living in such a religious, pluralistic day when people say there are so many ways to heaven. Uh, And then, you know, if, if some celebrity endorses it, well, man, that just makes it right. I remember after 9-11, 9-11, there were all these ecumenical movements. And, uh, you know, Reverend Oprah Winfrey got everybody together on Yankee Stadium. Says, hey, look, we all serve the same God. And it doesn't matter what your religion is, all roads lead home. Friend, I want to tell you something. Unless it's the Romans road, the road you're walking on is going to lead to hell. It's only, don't be deceived. Only through Jesus Christ can you find victory over sin's penalty and sin's power. And friend, I hope this is a word of encouragement. Only through Christ's return can we find victory over sin's presence to be pulled out of this world in the rapture and never have to deal with sin ever again. And so John shares with us that, that about the deliverance 
that Christ alone provides. Don't be deceived. It's not through good works. It's not through baptism. It's certainly not through church membership. You hear me this morning. You must be born again. You must have your own personal relationship with God through repentance and saving faith in Jesus Christ. And then third, John shares with us that we, we don't need to be, see, be deceived about the difference in lost and saved. John was writing because apparently there were a lot of people then and the church was so young. And I can assure you after several years of ministry here in the South, there's a lot of people, maybe someone here today, you, you've been deceived in what the real difference between lost and saved really, really looks like. Look what the Bible says in verse number 6. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has, ne has neither seen him nor known him. The Bible says, first off, whoever abides in him, that is, who's repented and trusted Christ to be Lord of their life, and as a result of that spiritual life, they abide in Christ. That, that word abide means to remain, um, to, be, to be grafted in to, to the family of God. It's the illustration Jesus gave in John 15, uh, to be grafted into the vine of, of Christ. Literally, to be at home with Jesus because you've been born again. You're part of the family of God. And so the Bible says explicitly, emphatically, and clearly, look at verse number 6 of your Bibles. Whoever abides in him, that is, who's, who's really been born again, does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. And that word know means to know by personal relationship. Uh, remember in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus spoke about some individuals who will stand what the Bible uh, speaks about in Revelation chapter 20 at the great white throne. And just prior to being thrown into hell, they're going to try to share their religious pedigree. Maybe they were a member of Greenwood Baptist Church. And, and they served, and they did, and they sang, and they gave, and they went. But here's the deciding thing, friend. This is what Jesus is going to say. He'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. And that word know means to know through personal relationship. And friend, now you, you look up here at me. I'll tell you how far most people in the south are from salvation. It's about 18 inches. They've got him right up here. And I want to remind you, friend, the book of James says every demon in hell has got Jesus right up here. They know he's king of kings and lord of lords. But here's the difference, friend, with most people. They've never received Jesus here through repentance and faith. They've never trusted Christ to be lord of their life. And so the Bible says they don't know him by personal relationship. Those who have been saved, they know him through a personal relationship. They, they have fellowship with him. Those who never have been saved, they don't know him through personal saving relationship. Look what the Bible says in verse number 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And so this, these words here in verse number 6 and in verse number 8, sin and sins. Now, if you don't get this, you're going to miss the whole implication that John's trying to make. These, word, these, these verbs, sin and sins, they're, they're it's in the present continuous tense. It's speaking about someone 
Listen to me. you got to get this. It's speaking about someone who wakes up in sin and goes to bed in sin. They have a lifestyle of sin. You say, well, John seems to be um, contradicting himself um, just a little bit. Because in chapter uh, 1, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Well, John's not talking about an individual sin in which there's repentance after. He's talking about someone who has a lifestyle of sin. They wake up in a sinful state. They go to bed in a sinful state. There's never pull. There's never conviction. They never turn from that particular sin or sins. So he's not talking about sinless perfection. Um, verse 9 continues. It says, if we confess our sins... He's faithful, in, of, of chapter 1, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So John's not talking about sinless perfection. He's talking about someone who says they have a relationship with God, but they live in a continuous sinful state. Now, if you understand that, say amen. If you don't, raise your hand, I won't say it again. John's talking about someone who says, yeah, I know God. I've been saved. Someone would come up and ask him, if you died today, are you 100% certain you'd go to heaven? They'd say, oh, yeah. I got saved when I was five at Bible school. Oh, absolutely. He's talking about someone who would say that, but yet the the fruit of their life, friend, is not fruit of the Spirit in in a life of service to Christ. It's a life of sin. It would be someone who's continually on the heart of their mom and dad because they're not in church. And the deceived parent, well, I just hope Billy gets back in church. You know, Billy was raised in church, and Billy knows better. Everything will just be okay if Billy gets back in church. You ever heard that from somebody before? Friend, listen, getting back in church just gives you something to do on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. What Billy needs, if that's Billy's lifestyle, wake up and sin and go to sin, is not to be in church. Billy needs to be born again. Billy needs salvation because the Bible says here they don't know him. Why? Because they make sin a present continuous action in their life and therefore they're not saved. The Bible says we're, we're going to fall. Moses fell. Uh, Numbers chapter 20, he double-struck a type of Christ, and he didn't get to go in the promised land. But he was saved, he had faith. Uh, Peter, he sinned, Luke 22. He lied and denied that he knew Jesus Christ when he did know him. David sinned, he was a man after God's own heart. But here's the point, friend, they didn't continue on in a lifestyle of sin. They sinned, they repented. David wrote a whole psalm about the joy of entering, of having God's salvation restored to him. So do you see the difference between the two people? One says they've been saved, but they lived in an unchanged, unaltered, day in, day out, wake up, go to bed, lifestyle of sin with no repentance. Someone who has really been saved, they may sin, but they turn from sin. They confess and thank God. First John 1 night, Jesus forgives us of our sin, and we're able to enter into a right relationship. And so he says, don't be deceived. Uh, John continues in chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Listen to what he says. He says, now by this we know that we know him. 
That is, by this we know, we have full assurance that we know Christ through a personal relationship. Here's the evidence. If we keep his commandments, that is, we're a doer of the word. Look at verse 4 of chapter 2. He who says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, that is, they make a lifestyle of disobeying the word of God, they're a liar and the truth's not in them. They're sitting there saying, oh, I know Jesus Christ through personal relationship, and God's shouting from heaven, you're a liar. You don't know me. Why? Because you've never repented and trusted me to be Lord of your life. Because if you had, listen to me, friend, sinning comes natural because we have a fallen person within us, but now because the Holy Spirit lives within us, being obedient to God comes natural because God's seed is in us. And now we have the opportunity to have a new, what we call, a new wanter. You know, before someone gets saved, they don't want to do what's right. But when they're born again, friend, God gives them a new wander. Now you want to serve God. Now you want to be obedient to the Word of God. Why? Because old things have passed away and all things have become what, church? New. It's not because of you. It's not because you turned over a new leaf. It's because you turned from sin and trusted Christ and now the Holy Spirit of God lives within your heart. And now there's a desire to want to do right. And so the Bible's clearly teaching here, whoever makes sin a present, continuous action in their life is not saved. I want to tell you something. There's some moms and dads and grandparents. You need to wake up. You need to smell the spiritual coffee. You're walking around in a deluded state. Well, I, I, know they're, they're, I know they're saved. Friend, if they're really saved, there's going to be evidence that they are. If the evidence is they continually live in just a go-to-bed, wake-up lifestyle of sin, they don't need to get back in church. They need to be born again. That'll help you focus your prayer. It's like going down to the doctor and he's saying, you know, we've identified there's, there's a tumor that's attached itself to, to a part of your body. And, you know, what we've determined is you just need to start coming to the doctor more. Just, just, sit, just sit out in the waiting room and be around doctors and everything's going to be fine in your life. Does anybody think that's a good guy? Listen, I ain't been to medical school and I know that doesn't make a bit of sense. Does anybody think that makes a bit of sense? You got cancer in your body? Maybe let's take it up a step. Just go down to the cancer center and just sit in the parking lot. Or go sit in the waiting room there. No, friend, what you need is that cancer dealt with. And what a person who's never been saved needs is not to sit in the church and hang out. They need Jesus Christ. They need to be born again. They need to be born again. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. He, look at verse number 7. The Bible says, little children. This is John's message from the Holy Spirit. Let no one deceive you. How many people are going to end up in hell because they thought just being a member of a church was good enough. And that made them right. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, we've done all these things. But he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But they were deceived. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness, that is the lifestyle of their life, is righteousness. You don't have to talk them in or twist their arm to do right. The deacons don't have to go visit them. You have to shame them into doing right. 
you see people on Mother's Day that show up on Mother's Day, well, I just came for Mom today. You have to shame, listen, anyone has been born again, you don't have to shame them one bit to want to go to church. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You have to shame them into reading their Bible. They want to read their Bible. Why? Because they want to know more about the one whom they're following and serving every day. Let no one deceive. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Why? Just as he is righteous. You see, the desire of a, of a growing, glowing Christian is to be just like the one whom they're following. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. It's a desire. It's natural. There's, there's nothing obtuse about it. That someone's not, you know, that someone wants to follow Jesus Christ. But if you live your life however you want with no regard for God or His Word, the Bible says you are not saved. And I'm telling you, sadly, it is my experience after many years of ministry, there are people who are sitting absolutely deceived in spiritual la-la land. La-la land. Well, they just, they just need to get back in church. If we can get them back in church, you better start praying for what they really need. And that's to be born again. They need Jesus Christ. Look what the Bible says in verse number 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. And that word again, sin, means pres- it's, it's present continuous verb. It's in a present continuous state. Go to bed, wake up, go to bed, wake up in sin. With, with no repentance and no remorse. No deep desire to serve the Lord. Whoever's been born of God does not sin. Why? Because for his seed, that's the Holy Spirit, remains in him. And he cannot sin because he's been born of God. He can't present continuous sin. So the Bible's given evidence, friend, that someone who does present continuous sin has never been born again, but then turns around and gives the reverse truth and says, someone who's really been saved, they can't present continuous sin. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in front, and it's going to be a tether. And every time that person sins, listen, God's going to take them, the book of Hebrews says, to the spiritual woodshed. Whom the Lord loves, he, he chastens. He chastens. You can't get away with anything. And so when... You, and you have ever talked to someone that says they're saved, but they're just living in a lifestyle that says they're not saved? And they, don't, they just seem oblivious. They're just so happy. You know, and you say, do you not see the problem that's in your life? And you're like, no, I don't see the problem. Why is there no conviction? Because there's never been any conversion. There's never been conversion. John says, don't be deceived. Verse number nine, because when someone's really been born again, they cannot present continuous sin look at verse number nine because he has been born of god and that's the greatest need mankind has jesus spoke to a religious man so religious john chapter three and he said we know no one could do the things that you do if he weren't from god that means all the pharisees knew that jesus was messiah and jesus when he was talking about this, he just he just cut straight to the chase and he says hey nicodemus you must be born again. That's not why he came. He came to talk about who he was and the power he had. And he said, hey, look, you need to be born again. And that's man's greatest need, friend. 
is to be born again spiritually and have a personal relationship with God through His Son. See, acknowledging the truth of that, it helps you to see what your personal need is and what the need of others are that you have relationships with. And so I challenge you this morning from the Word of God, listen to me. Don't, don't be deceived about the definition of sin. You know, you watch the news enough, for long you'll be thinking, you know, it's just absolutely appropriate and right that a bearded man can walk around in a woman's dress and go relieve himself in the bathroom when there are a bunch of little girls in there. You know, it's just, it's fine. we've redefined everything. It's right. Friend, it's not right. It's not just that, friend. It's all sin. Can I, can I say to the church, you know, we're living in a day where statistics show when they, when they poll people who go to church, they say, you know, do you consider yourself a regular attender of a local church? This was a, a, a survey that was done last year. People say, yes. Define how often you on average, attend church once every six weeks. There are people being deceived into thinking that going to church once every six weeks is being faithful to church. Friend, listen, that's not faithful. If my wife only came home once every six weeks, she wouldn't be faithful. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived about the definition of sin. Don't be deceived about the deliverance that can come from Christ alone. We're living in a day where there's so much pluralism. You better remember, friend, and it's not a popular message, and the message of the cross offense. There's no other way to be saved but through Jesus Christ. Don't be deceived about the difference between lost and saved. I know it hurts. It hurts. My friend, I want to tell you something. I'd rather my doctor get down to the nitty-gritty about what's really wrong with me than just generally say, well, there's something wrong in your body. Friend, I don't want to know this. there's something wrong. I want to know what it is and how do we fix it. And it'll really help you, my friend. You hear me this morning, mom, dad, papa, mamma. If you really get to the heart of what's wrong with your child or grandchild, it's not just that they're out of church. It's that they need to be saved. They need to be saved. The Titanic set sail on April 10th, 1912. Talked about it, the greatest ship ever was. Really, all the Titanic ever did was sink. That's all it's known for. That's all it was known for. But you know, 2,240 people, all from different classes. First class, second class, third class, workers, those that would work in the boiler room. So many different classes. And you were locked out. Some doors you could get into if you're first class, you go anywhere you wanted to go. Second class, you're going to go where second class go. You go down third class, but third class couldn't come to second, surely couldn't go to first. Everybody was separated by all these different classes. But once the Titanic sank on April 15th, 19th, 12th, it was the next day outside of White Star Lines who owned the ship there in Liverpool. Though there were all these different classes of people, the next day there were only two lists. Those saved, those lost. There, there, were, two, there were two lists. My friend, you don't need to be, you, don't be deceived. God doesn't see church going, non-church going as far as what differentiates. He knows where faithfulness is. But I'm telling you, God only sees two types of people. Lost people, saved people. 
And what you do with Jesus Christ determines what list you're on for all eternity. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God's got two lists, lost and saved. Which one are you on today? If you've never turned and trusted Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, that is, friend, you've given Him the keys to every room in your life. There's never been a moment that you've done that. You're lost. You're lost in sin. If you died today, the Bible says you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. But there's good news. Christ came to give you victory over sin's penalty and over sin's possession of your life now. But you've got to do two things. It's an act of the will. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, there's nothing really you can do. It's a gift that you have to receive. Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you in simple childlike faith today will choose to turn from all your sin to Christ and receive from Him His forgiveness by trusting Jesus to be Lord of your life, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And my friend, you'll switch lists just like that. And so if you're on the lost list today because you've never done that, won't you trust Christ now? The quietness of your heart. Tell God this silently where you sit. God, forgive me a sinner. I admit my sin. I admit it. I know I am. Your Spirit's telling me I am. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe He rose from the grave. And I lay all of my life at the feet of Jesus. I'm trusting Christ today to be Lord over all my life. I'm asking you to forgive me, to save me from sin's penalty, its possession. I look forward to being saved from its presence one day. But I lay my life at your feet. That's my prayer. Heads your bowed, eyes are closed. Did you pray that this morning? Did you mean it? I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. Because God's not through with you. Now He wants to take you and live His life through your yielded life to Him. When we stand our feet in just a moment, won't you make your way to the front? where I'm going to be standing. No one's going to be looking around. I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. I wonder if there's a parent, a grandparent, a brother, sister, a burdened neighbor or co-worker that someone's burdening your heart because they say they've been saved. But you hear me. Sin is a lifestyle for them. There seems to be no appetite no desire to do the things of God. But they wake up in sin and they go to bed in sin. I wonder if there's someone sitting here this morning that you're burdened for someone who fits that description. My friend, quit holding on to words that they said years ago that evidently they did not mean. And that is, forgive me Jesus, be Lord of my life. And start praying for what they really need. And that's to, to be saved, to turn from sin and trust Christ to be Lord of their life. Don't be deceived. When someone's really been saved, sin will not be their lifestyle. Father, speak to our church, challenge us. And God, I pray you'll remind us as we move into this season of political theater, 
of, all, of what, of what the, the real answer to all the problems in the world are. God, I pray that we'll always be settled and reminded of, of what the real answer to all the problems in the world are, and it's Jesus Christ. It's Christ alone. And I pray, God, that you'll find the church faithful in these days, doing what you've called us and commanded us to do. And that's to introduce Christ to people and invite them to come and to turn and to trust and to taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, many decisions that need to be made today. God, you may be leading a family that they need to come link their life with this church family and help us in fulfilling the Great Commission in these days. I pray they'll come. However you're speaking and challenging today, might we all be found obedient. And Lord, I pray, I pray as we go to invitation, that someone sitting here won't give in to the deception of Satan in this, that there's more time. Trust Christ, but just don't do it today. Wait, wait till the next service. God, I pray, we'll be reminded we're not promised tomorrow. This is the acceptable time. This is the day of salvation. I pray whatever you're leading men and women to do, we'll do it now. We'll do it by faith. We'll do it in Jesus' name. It's in his name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.